Hello and welcome to the SEO Sprint podcast. My name is Adam Chen and today I'm here with Arij Abdu Ali. Hey Arij. Hey Adam. Um, so I just introduce yourself and just explain if who who, who hasn't heard of Arij, just explain who, who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, uh, I'm Arij. I'm the founder of Crolina, which is an independent SEO consultancy. Uh, and I'm the creator of Women in Tech SEO, which is a global community for brilliant women in the technical SEO industry. Um, and yeah, I've been doing SEO for the past decade, which is really exciting. And uh, thank you for having me. No, pleasure. Pleasure for you, uh, you being here. Um, so usual question I ask all my guests to, to break the ice. I like asking this question because everyone has their own story uh, that I always enjoy. So how did you get into SEO? Yeah, I mean, it was it was my first full time job, funny enough. Like I, I moved to the UK about 10 years ago. Uh, I had a degree in computer engineering and then I came here to do like a master's in business IT. And uh, I was struggling to land like my first job in the UK. And uh, there was a local agency that needed someone who was fluent in Arabic. So it had absolutely nothing to do with uh, the, you know, my tech side or my marketing side or anything. They just needed to hire someone who spoke Arabic uh, because they had an Arabic client come on board. Um, and yeah, it was an SEO agency. And uh, within a month, the client was no longer a client and they just shifted me to the tech SEO team. So it kind of worked out in everyone's favor. Awesome. So another question, uh, to break the ice. In terms of working with product teams and dev teams, how did you find yourself in that situation? Like, was it in agency side first or in-house? Just just take us through that. Yeah, I think when, when I was agency side, I naturally um, worked with some developers on the client side of things, but maybe not too much. Like mm -hmm. most of our, uh, you know, most of my contact People were usually like marketing directors and so forth, like folks more on the marketing side. But every now and then, for example, they bring in like a developer in one of the meetings or so on. So it was probably only when I moved in-house, like after doing agency for about five years. Um, I think once I moved in-house is when I properly started working with product and tech teams. Cool. Um, uh, same, same here. I think that's... That Whenever you work in house and suddenly work start working with the devs and product teams, you you my 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 experience is oh like I I didn't actually know how to work with them until I actually worked with them. In terms and and I just want to actually just jump straight into uh, something that I've really enjoyed when I read it, which was your getting tech SEO implemented blog post. You have like a framework that helps you get things done with dev teams and product teams. Could you just take us through how you came about creating that and how you tested it? And, you know, do you still you still use it? Do you still find it effective when, you know, when, you, when you're using it with, with products and dev teams? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I mean, I, like, like I said, I think it was when I first moved in-house is when I properly started, like, understanding how products mm -hmm. and tech teams work. So my first in-house role, I was sat in marketing. So I was, you know, I was reporting to the performance marketing director and so forth. And uh, the tech team were your typical like, oh, it's so tough to get a tech ticket inside and it's so difficult to get something done. And uh, we, you know, I was working with Zoopla, which is like a massive, massive legacy website, like tens of millions of pages. And um, there was a lot of legacy issues and a lot of technical bits and pieces that needed figuring it out. So we had to work really closely with tech and there were a lot of requirements that we had to feed in. Um, 
but they had they had their own world of things to deal with as well from their end um and so yeah like i my my understanding at that point was i guess i started really realizing oh now i understand why is it when i was agency side like none of my recommendations got implemented because you know when you go inside and you realize how busy all the different teams are like it just makes you the last thing that someone needs is yet another document or something to look at and something to prioritize. Yeah. Um, so we started like as an SEO team, we were like, okay, we need to think of the best way to potentially prioritize that. Like how can we start to get some things implemented? And uh, the framework I talk about is all about, well, how do we recommend and then prioritize and then from there on implement? Um, and in order to prioritize, I feel like when I was agency side, my brain was always very much about, oh, what's the SEO impact of this? Like, is it high? Is it low? You know, how important is it from an SEO perspective? But I never really thought about it from a from a technical effort perspective. I never thought, oh, well, is this something that can be done, you know, in a sprint? Or is this something that might take like an entire code change or an entire refactoring and it might end up being several months down the line of work? So, um, so the whole point of that prioritization framework was to not only look at the SEO impact, but to also look at the technical effort behind this. And once you marry those two up, then you're able to say, all right, this then gets uh, a large priority or a medium priority or a small priority of the back of this. Wow. Did you, out of interest, was it um, in terms of an idea, how, like, could you tell us what was inspiration for it? Did you just go, you know what, I'm just going to make a... Because what you... I don't know if, what you, if you knew this, but what you did was was very um, like agile engineering product world, like documenting a kind of like prioritization like matrix and like clearly articulating and this is this is how we prioritize is, is like a framework um, and everyone has a different framework that they use. But I, I really enjoy yours because it's simple and it's clear and you obviously work with the devs too. And, you know, you have to agree on the prioritization matrix. Otherwise, you're just kind of playing with numbers, right? So so what was, like, inspiration for you to, to make yeah. that table? I think it was, we had, we sat down and we had a Google sheet of, like, I don't know, minimum 50 recommendations or 50 technical things that we needed working on. And then we were like, okay, well, that's easy. As an SEO team, we can sit down and just say, what the impact of all of these are like oh this is high this is you know low this is medium but then it felt it just felt like it was missing something um i worked really closely there was a great product manager on the team his name was terry um and he, i feel like he taught me so much about like the product side of things um and we sat down we had a meeting i showed him my spreadsheet and he was like okay you know we we need to talk about like the actual tech effort behind it and so we we then put in another meeting with some of the main developers who would be working on these SEO tickets. And it ended up being several meetings over the course of a few weeks. And by the end of it, we were like, okay, these, these 50 items were no longer just 50 items. They were 50 items that each had an SEO impact and a technical effort tied to them. And then from there on, I was able to be like, okay, let's let me just put some rules in place where I'm like, well, if an SEO impact is high and a tech effort is low, great, then that's a quick one. Let's go ahead and do it, type of thing. Um, and I just did like a really, uh, it's it's like you say, like it's simple. Like I wanted to do something as simple as possible. So then it's so easy if someone comes in and be like, no, 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 I changed my mind. The tech effort is actually. Then you simply update it in the Google Sheet and it, it's done. Um, yeah. I've come across like other 
uh, frameworks that what's that one called? Fibonacci. The Fibonacci. Uh, yeah, I can't I, say it. I can't say it either. It's it's yeah. uh, the story like point. Method, we can't yeah. even pronounce it, and <laughs> and it's so complicated. Like, oh, you know, there are all these metrics that you have to feed in, and you need to do. That. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's it's as simple as you know, what's the SEO impact and what's the tech effort? Like, it doesn't need to be more complex than that. Um, but I think my, our main aim off the back of it was then like, okay, what are the top three things that we're going to focus on in the next quarter, let's say, like, and, and that's it. And let's just focus on getting those done before we then move on to the, to the next bit. Yeah. You, I've, I've heard you mention this in, I did my research for this, this podcast. I've heard you mention that you don't want to feed the devs and the product team too much too, sorry, too many recommendations because you will just overload them and you need to keep, like you just said there, to focus on, th- let's focus on these three big things or these three things, because as you just said, this simple prioritization matrix took weeks of meetings mm-hmm. and discussions. Even that was quite simple. It took a while for everyone to get on board, understand it, use it. So do you do you just take us through like, okay, how again, how did you come to that conclusion of just giving them thick, like bits, bits at a time and not overloading them? Yeah. How did you, how did you learn that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you, again, when I was agency side, I was one of the people who, you know, gave uh, happily and proudly was like, oh, look, my audit document is now 100 pages long. Oh, amazing. And it's ridiculous, right? But it's like, unfortunately, this is how a lot of us were taught. Yeah. Um, and again, when, when I moved in-house, I was like, who, how, I don't even have the time or energy to sit down and sift through anything right now. Like, I have a lot of my own initiatives and projects and so on to do. Um I think working with like a big aggregator marketplace type of website, there's usually there's usually this one thing <laughs> that's messing up most of you know the, the, the it's it's usually there's there's usually one or two things like these are the big meaty things that need to be addressed like especially from a technical SEO perspective, um, and so that that was the case with Zoopla like we we had far too many pages a lot of crawl budget was being wasted the majority of them did not you know it didn't matter in any way because they didn't provide us with any leads. And so it was, you know, it was an indexability issue. Like we knew it and we, there's, there was, I don't know, a large percentage of the site didn't even need to be indexed. Um, But it wasn't as simple as that because um, as with many legacy websites, they fall under many different frameworks and different tech stacks. And so you can't simply like add a, add an index here or there. Like it's not going to work that way. So even though the recommendation might feel simple, we know it's going to take a long time to work, but that's okay because we know that this is the one that's going to have the largest impact. Um, And so that, you know, that became like the center of all of our conversations at that point where it was like any, any other recommendation I'd look at, I know it's not going to drive the impact. It doesn't matter. It was kind of like sticking plasters, right? Like where it was like, that was the one big thing that would actually like move or turn the needle. Um, and so I just, I became very obsessed with making sure that, you know, that one thing goes ahead and gets implemented as opposed to being like, let's fix all this other stuff that will not even be seen at all. Like what's what's the point or what's the purpose? Instead, it's like, okay, SEO team need that one thing from us. So let's just, let, let's just get on with that. Did you find, out of interest, at Zoopla, did you find that, okay, we need this, this one thing. Did that one thing take a lot or like a lot of conversations a long time like even if it's like really important it wasn't just a case of just let's just stick it in the ticket in the dev backlog and it'll get done it'll get done did you have to fight for that 
that one. Yeah, it was my two again. years there. <laughs> <laughs> my two years there was it, it, it was all around that that conversation, you know, and I've spoken to a lot of other people and I'm sure you relate as well. Like that's unfortunately that is the, the reality in, in most places. Um, and it was, you know, it was conversations that went all the way up to the CTO and there were meetings and you feel like a broken record over time, right? Where it's like, you're, you're you know, you're kind of, oh, but I, I've shared that data. I've shared that analysis. I've done this, but it's okay. Let's update it again. Let's do this. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, and funny enough, like it, it did, it, it got implemented right before I left. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, but it did like, that was a massive win. I couldn't believe it. Like it actually got implemented on my watch and it, and it did move the needle, which is like, I'm so proud to admit that that's not usually the case. Sometimes there's a lot of time we put a recommendation through and we fight for it and then nothing happens. But in this case, it did, it did make, make a massive difference, which is, which is good to know. So in terms of, so I'm going to just going to stand up a little bit. So I'm just curious in terms of, all right. You know, you joined. How did you like SEO buy-in? Seems to be quite a, a hot topic. You know, with forecasting and slide decks. Um, how did you get all the way up to CTOs, CEOs, COOs, CMOs, whoever owes, right? Bought into your SEO projects. How did you go about doing that? Yeah, so it was it, it was definitely tough and it took a very, very long time to be able to get into meetings like that. Like I think for the first year or so on, it was like it was us performance marketing, then trying through the CMO to, you know, show how important some of those bits are. And then at one point we were given almost like a small product tech team who can kind of work on SEO tickets for a little bit. Uh, but then, you know, it was like very low priority for them. So again, it was, uh, that's not really working. Um, and then, you know, what, what worked was we, uh, <laughs> we kept getting drops every time there was an algorithm update. <laughs> And that's what, which is unfortunate, right? But it was more, it was at that point more about being, uh, which it goes against all all my belief, which is we were being reactive as opposed to proactive because it mm. was like, oh no, what just happened? Why did we, why did we get that drop? Um, and th th that's what started getting us attention. So, you know, I started writing those very um, strict executive summary emails, whereas like this just happened, an algorithm update came out, la la la. This is how we've been impacted so far. Um, in order to avoid this from happening the next time around, we need to look at doing this, 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 this. Um, and so that that finally, uh, you know, our our CMO was awesome, and you know, he he kind of started fighting and making sure like we get some of that. And so next thing I know, we finally have a seat in the table to be able to have a meeting with the CTO and the CPO and explain the prioritization of that and so forth. Um, but yeah, it it took it took a long time, and unfortunately. It, we we needed to see that drop happen, which we were kind of avoiding from happening in the first place before we could get some resource in place. Yeah, there's a there's a train of thought in product where it's the the boring stuff, the stuff you don't see that drives results. Yeah, proactivity is boring. Yeah, right. Nobody wants to sit down before a project release and talk about what could go wrong so we could mitigate it. But there's this kind of like. Oh yeah, we're so we're, we're coming in and saving the day by solving these problems. Yeah, like, yeah, but you you've caused the problems by not being proactive. Yeah, yep. so it, your your experience <laughs> mirrors my own experience. Mm -hmm. People just don't seem to want to yep. be proactive, which is annoying. But the, like you said, 
the reality. In terms of, okay, you've a year in and you're working with the dev team. How did, like, is it, did you, did you sit with the product manager and the dev and just, and, you know, just talk through your recommendations in a, in a Google sheet, in a slide deck? How did you take your ideas and then plan them in with the dev team and the product team at Let's start with Zoopla and then we'll move on to that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think Google, like with directly with the product and tech team, it was always through Google Sheets. Like we always had a working doc. Um, we used we used Jira a lot for like, um, you know, that our ticketing system and adding comments in and so forth and doing like checks and things like that. Um, we, yeah, it was majority of it was like that. Of course, in the meetings that were more like, you know, with the CTO and CPO and so on, we had like summarized decks that were, you know, you're like, I don't know, five slides or so on that were kind of showing, oh, this is what's happening and this is what needs to be done and so on. But yeah. I feel like the product and tech team, they were always like very happy to just work collaboratively on like a Google Sheet or, or something along those lines. And they never seemed bothered or cared too much about, like there was this trust, thankfully, where it was like, I, I never had a question come through product or tech where it was like, oh, I need you to um show me the data that backs up these fine. Like I never had those questions, thankfully. I know other people sometimes do, but of course I had them from like stake senior stakeholders, but from actual like product and tech teams, like people who are kind of getting the work done, they, you know, they, they trusted that, you know, what you're talking about. And they were like, okay, we're happy to kind of work through a Google sheet and kind of see what needs to be done. Was it that you got buy-in at the top and then the top told product right you're working on this is Pretty that much. what happened yeah, yeah. So it, like, and, okay. and it, yeah and it was always like that right it's like once we actually have someone um uh, the at the point where we kind of get someone come through and be like uh okay we've now been told this is priority so that's it like this is when oh we can actually get the work done but until then there's absolutely no point i at some point i was like i'm not even wasting product and text time because no one's told them that it's priority to work on this so what's the there's nothing they can do. They're being told like what's priority for them. And so until they're told from senior stakeholders, they need to focus on this. There's just, there's no point. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think there's this idea that when you go to a dev team, the dev team is, it's just like a separate entity from the rest of the business, but actually the dev team and what the, what, what the company the direction, the company wants to go, what the dev team does is basically connected. And unless Similar, similar to your experience, unless somebody high up goes, all right, now you're given the resource, the time, because the dev team has, the dev and product team never have enough time to do all mm -hmm. the things that everybody wants to do. You have to fight for that time, Yeah, which is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's switch a little bit then to, because I'm actually really interested in this because I think you've spoken about it, your time at, is it Papier? Mm -hmm. um, tell us about your role at Papier and where you, what team you were worked in at Papier? Yeah, so pa Papier was like a complete, complete change. Um, the main reason I even applied for the role was because SEO sat in tech. And I was like, I cannot believe this. <laughs> Finally, there's an in-house role where SEO, like they're, they're so rare. I feel like they're starting to happen a little bit more now, but definitely like a few years ago, SEO usually always only sits in marketing. Um, and so it was It was the CPO, it was the chief product officer, was the one who was hiring for the role. Yeah. And the, the, SC, like the head of SEO would sit under underneath them. Um, 
and the, it was it was it was completely different. I mean, of course, the website is different. It's only I don't know five six years old. There's no like legacy issues on it. Um, but and everything was custom built like from scratch by the team. Um, full e-commerce, so had very very high reliance, of course, on like SEO and organic. Um, but it was it was it was such a beautiful experience. <laughs> <laughs> the complete opposite. <laughs> the complete opposite. The opposite. Yeah. Oh and, wow, that's uh, honest, This is where I learned. Like, I feel like this is where I properly learned how to work in tech because I was I was embedded in the team and I was part of their sprint cycles and their sprint systems and. I was, you know, part of their um, fortnightly retro sessions, and you know, I, I I was part of it all. So it was, and it, it wasn't just SEO, but there was also CRO on the team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, yeah, like we had we, we we had product folks and we had developer engineers, and then we had UX and CRO. So it was, yeah, it was just beautiful, and it was nice to be able to like <laughs> learn from all of these different functions. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, my time at DeepCrawl, I was like. The product manager working with a product squad of UX design, yeah. you know, design engineers, backend engineers, APIs, environment. Yeah, and you, you're like, yeah, blew my mind. Um, all right, I have tons of questions, so I'll, I'll narrow down for the yeah. people listening. So, the structure and how actually, okay, you're in the product team. Did they have product squads? Did they just all sit in one level and in one in one part of the building? Did you know how did you how did you actually day to day like work with the team and what was mm-hmm. the team structure yeah so we had um it was one team um we we, we weren't split into different functions or anything but okay. we had uh we had a roadmap for the year that was then split on a quarterly basis of what the main product initiatives were mm-hmm. and then we worked on a you know two-week cycle sprint system yeah. um and we, at the beginning of the two weeks, we went through, we did like sprint planning, yeah. what's going to fit in. Um, and then at the end of the two weeks, we did like a, a, a retro of how it's went and then uh, on. The very interesting thing was the SEO tickets always got prioritized, which was beautiful because I was part of the team. And it was just something I'd never experienced before. So I would literally like the Friday before the Monday of a sprint planning, I would sit down and write the SEO tickets. Uh, we use Notion uh, at Papier. Um, yeah, and I just write them out and I'd add them to the next sprint. And then on the Monday when we do the sprint planning, um, we, we would go through all the tickets and most of the time it'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. We can fit them in the sprint. But every now and then it might be like, actually, no, 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 let's leave this to the next sprint or how prior- how high priority is this type of thing or so on. Um but it was uh, it was a much much cleaner website than than Zoopla is what I'd say like from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because it was also built from scratch by the team, so they were so aware of what needs to be done and where it needs to be done. Um, and over time, I think the first few months I was kind of still getting to grips with everything, but then I started understanding. Oh, those are my backend brilliant people, and those are my frontend awesome people, and this this is who can help me with a performance issue, and this is who I can go to for schema, and this is so you start kind of realizing that, and so it becomes very easy to just like slack that person and be like, hey, just had a quick question about la la la, what's the effort for this? And then that person would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's that can be done quickly. Just put a ticket for next sprint. So it's almost like I would um, validate it before I put it in writing, just to kind of make sure. <laughs> no, it what? was beautiful. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, what you what you did was what I call SEO discovery. So you're 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 part of the team. You're asking questions, but discovery is all about what while while asking all these questions, you're doing the SEO thing of like I'm doing research, I'm identifying problems, and validating it before you even stick it in the dev backlog. Yes, you know, recommend it. You're actually validating it feasibility, viability, usability yeah. with different owners. But you can only do that if you kind of naturally become part of the network of the engineering team and understand and what what you just said there about oh I can identify these different owners and I call them owners but the specialists in the team who are yes. like the people who know you know the senior the C member of the team. I, yeah. I, I'm actually writing a newsletter right now about this about engineering engineering archetypes. And basically mm-hmm. you you need to be aware in a tech team of who you need to talk to to get things done because you talk to the wrong person they're like oh i, I, I don't know or, oh that's that's not my my role but your 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 ux person who leads you know the ux of design side will know everything about the design system about the how to design the components about the coloring etc front end will know all about you know how to you know how to render things like what how long things will take back end people do database stuff and they can tell you about metrics and databases and yeah, what you're, what you're describing is is kind of my experience of like, oh, if you just sit and talk to people and, and identify, just kind of group people together in little, you know, men, I have mental models in my head of, of who can get things done, then, you know, you don't have you don't have to do the Zoopla in yep. the marketing team going all the way up to yes. senior leadership. You just st- sit in the product team and you just work with the product people to do the things that shouldn't take you know a year to, to yep. get signed off because the team's like yeah sure it's just another thing that we're doing yes. that because you're, you're the specialist and we trust and this is another thing that building up partnerships actually yeah let, let me i keep talking so um building up partnerships um how do you go about doing that because i'm always interested in how people seos especially how they build up partnerships with the team members was there something mm-hmm. was your team did they do? Did they do things? Go for coffee? Go for lunches? Mm-hmm. How do you build up partnerships? Build up that trust with your team? Yeah. So I mean, just one one thing to quickly add as well that just came to mind. So something sure. that I found myself doing slightly differently at Papier than I did at Zoopla, and I think because it was I was sat in the tech team is sure the first three months I did my normal auditing and stuff, understand the lay of the land, understand what the issues are, and the tickets were much heavier like at the beginning because no one had touched it before and so on. But afterwards, what I started doing was I just became part of their product initiatives. So it was like our focus this quarter is going to be on filters and navigation. And so what I do then is here's the SEO side of things when it comes to filters and navigation. And here, here's what needs to be done and so on. So it kind of became the inverse where I was feeding in SEO requirements in product initiatives as opposed to here are my uh, SEO initiatives and I need, you know, dev resources. And again, I I feel like that just made things so much easier because it became a requirement of a project. So that project wasn't going to go live until, you know, this stuff was, was met. Uh, Yeah. yeah, There's just, just one thing to mention there, but what I found very interesting was because again, I was sat in product. It was very, very easy to, be part of that team and become very close with them and understand them really well. And of course, like, you know, when we went to the office, we had lunches together and we had like our own like Slack stuff and blah, blah, blah. But then it was difficult to, to 
be part of the other teams, which is marketing. So when I needed content support, <laughs> they were then sat on the other side, which was so weird, right? Because we are used to working so closely with teams like content and PR and so on from like yeah. being part of marketing teams. So those were the teams that actually had to work hard in getting those partnerships in place and making sure we actually have ways of working set up and a process and how to get them excited about SEO and what the impact of SEO has and so on. And it was with those teams specifically where I had to, you know, kind of like put some metrics and reporting and so on together and get them excited about the content that they produce so that they know, well, this is, you know, how much traffic it generates and this is what it leads to and so on. And something that something that I think really helped was I created like almost like a team SEO channel where, again, bear in mind, like I was the first and only SEO who'd come in the company. So this was all like very new for them. And so what I started doing in it was like a Slack channel and I would be sharing almost like weekly wins and, you know, projects and initiatives we're working on and things we did. And I always made sure like I give shout outs to folks who were yeah. with anything with SEO, like we're putting the recommendations and we're saying what's worked, but we're not really the ones who are doing most. It's usually content was written by specific folks or the website was managed by the, you know, and so on. So I always made sure like I shouted out the teams that actually like got the things implemented and done. So it it got really like I I'd be really happy when I like share something on the channel and then I get all of these emojis and stuff and it means people are reading it and they're excited and yeah so I think that that really helps right like especially when you're like the only person in a team and you kind of want to shout out the impact of a channel and so on. Actually yeah just just touching on what you just right at the end there did you ever feel lonely being the only SEO in a product team away from the marketing team. It was a big change to me because it, Zoopla, like at one point I'd grown the team to almost like five or six people. Um, and so it was a very, very big, we had a very big SEO team. And then, you know, moving to Papier where I was like, I was the, the only SEO, like initially it was a bit like, I, I hired someone like one year within and she was absolutely brilliant and awesome. And it was really nice to finally like have someone to talk to all things SEO with. But definitely in that first year where it was just me, I mean, I... Um, I don't mind it so much myself. Like, I feel like I, I can kind of, and I guess maybe that's why, like, I've taken, like, the consultancy route now and I'm kind of doing yeah. things on my own. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, it does, of course, sometimes you even just want to um, just almost, like, validate an idea or kind of talk about it with someone or be like, mm, is this the best way around? Or should we yeah. be doing it this way or that way? Like, it's always good to just have that that second opinion. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Um, yeah, I... To, just to just touch on my experience, yeah. When I was product manager, like like oh, like I was product manager focusing on building things for SEOs, but I was working with non SEOs. <laughs> yeah, like, SEO things happened. Everyone's like, we don't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, cool. So in terms of all right, so let's focus then on your. You said you work in sprints and do planning, mm -hmm. and you said you wrote your tickets the Friday before the sprint. Mm -hmm. Did you ever? In terms of planning a requirement, lining up with product initiatives, did you ever, they're, they're called PRDs, but I just I just call them briefs. Did you ever have to write up a, here's a, a, a document that just explains what we're doing, why we're doing it, and here's the things I want out of it? Or did you, did you take another approach in terms of planning what you wanted for, say, facets and filters in your e-commerce store? How did you go about? Like, yeah, like so we, we wrote our tickets in Notion and there was like a like a requirement for how the ticket needs to be written out. And it did include yeah. some things around the lines of, well, 
you know, what's what's the priority? What's the impact? Why does it need to be done? An example of, you know, how it should so on. So there was like specific kind of requirements for how you flesh it out. Uh, we weren't very, very heavy on documentation, which was quite nice because it meant, you know, we don't have to waste too much time on it. Um, but I kind of, yeah, I went with, uh, you know, with just kind of ensuring how the one thing I did initially, maybe the first few times I kind of, what I, I one example that comes to mind is, I'd done, like I was auditing our XML sitemaps and I found like three different issues with it. And so I then wrote like this one big ticket that had like the three issues and explained them, I broke them down. And then, you know, one of the engineers was like, Arij, I need this in three tickets because it's three different things. Like I'm not, and also it might not just be one person because it might end up getting split across. The, like someone picks it up, someone yeah. picks it up. So that was like a learning for me where I was like, the you know, the the simpler, the better. Like don't have more than one issue, even if it feels like it's under one category, but still like split it out and like different tickets as much as it can. Because in the sprint planning, I saw it, it was like, oh, Person A is going to do this, person B. It was a lot of volunteering where it was like, yeah, I'm happy to do this. I'm happy to do this. I'm as long as that list ends up having someone assigned to it at the end of the day. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, similar thing to me. Um, I used to be terrible at writing tickets. Um, but it, it's it's such a learning curve of you, you just like e even simple things. Like sitemaps are a really good example where mm -hmm. actually sitemaps are really complicated because they're connected yep. to, the, to the system. And the system's like, well, the rules are this and that's it. But actually, yeah, actually, I don't think Excel sitemaps are a great way for people to learn how to work with a dev and break things down because actually they're, they're a lot, but they seem quite simple. Actually can be quite complicated in the wrong system. But yeah, no, I, I did the same thing to you where it's like huge tickets. Nope, you need to break things down. And this is why I, what you said there about examples, mm -hmm. I always find creating these examples, or I call them scenarios, helps me go oh i have like 10 scenarios yes, where, like exactly. you know and you actually like ah, this is like maybe three or four five tickets not yes. one ticket because if they can't implement it in one sprint it has to be broken down right so yeah um, and i think the same thing applies because for example in the team we had a qa tester so the same thing applies for that person as well like they want to qa test just that one scenario they don't want to end up having to QA test like five different variations of it. Um, yeah, one yeah. thing that really, really helped me as well, like I only like realized it over time and maybe because with Papier specifically, we custom built a lot of stuff. But I started finding, let's say uh, an example that comes to mind is um, your typical like a broken URL in navigation, right? So then uh, we update with seasonality and so on. We might have like new products come up. So and the, the URLs in the navigation are done by, a, let's say, a website manager. And that person did it with a typo, right? And the next thing you know, and then how do I discover it? I discover it in a, a weekly crawl. But then I was like, okay, okay, let's just take a step back here. And I spoke to the tech team. Is there a way that we can prevent? Can we do like a URL check before it gets approved in the back end for it to go live in the nav? And they were like, yeah, we can just put like a status checker. And so if it's not a 200, uh, then they'll be like, oh no, error, you can't. And I was like, can we do that, please? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, and do you know how many, this was every single, almost at least two, three times a month, I would have to go in and like correct or update or speak to the website manager and be like, oh, there's a typo in this navigation URL. Oh, can we update this? Can we? And then just from that one, so it's almost like, how can we like put something in place that can automate and 
and stop all of these errors from happening. And then it saved everyone's time. Uh, that's something I only learned when I actually worked in the tech team because it was like, how can we make our tickets smarter and more efficient yes. and kind of like solve, you know, long-term problems? Yeah, that's, uh, again, something I building, like, I worked with the, the, the dev team at DeepCrawl to rebuild, like, the actual product app. And yep. we used, like, React, we moved from Angular. Um, did, did, do you know what Papi used? Did they use, probably use React or something? They, yeah, they used React. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anything in React, can you can, it's Lego, basically. You, mm -hmm. Any component you can, like, I have a dev who's like, oh, every time you know index a page, because I'm working with them to help improve their content, and content quality every time you know index a page you removes it from the sitemap it removes it from the navigation and it can like do exactly. other things as well and they can it's like you can people don't i know people like javascript is evil right it's not it's just it's it's as smart and intelligent as the people who build it the yes, problem is seos aren't part of the people who build yep. these websites unless unlike the you who just who sit and work in a, in a tech team and like why can't we just build like a system that you're just building logic into the system, like a exactly. functionality into the system. It stops the problem from happening. Yeah. And that's what, go off a tangent, that's what like SEO product managers help the team do. Mm -hmm. They help make the system SEO friendly, managing things, automating things. By the way, devs love it when you build a like system that manages, yes. it doesn't have to, they don't have to ha like have to touch it anymore because you've built a series of I have, a, I have a dev who won't do anything unless no i won't build that unless we build it he calls it mm -hmm. future proofing and what he means yes. is i don't want to touch it yes. <laughs> I, want I want either somebody else to do it or it it, it automate itself because of some mm -hmm. system rules um and yeah i learned that at, at deep crawl so yeah I'm, I'm i didn't know that for like eight 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 years until i went mm -hmm. to deep crawl mm -hmm. or something so it's yeah it's something you don't pick up on unless you are either a developer or you work in a tech team so yeah yeah, I'm with you. Okay, in terms of I'm I'm going to jump straight into retrospectives because I'm interested in what did you learn from those retrospectives? Like what what we don't have to go into details of what was said, but what mm. did you personally learn going into them, coming out of them? Like what 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 did you learn from? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed them. We always did them on like a Friday, like towards the end of the day, and it was just such a nice way to like wrap up you know, the two weeks of work. Um, and there was always a lot of like appreciation and love that was shared through them specifically on like what went well. So a lot of people would like shout out other team members who kind of helped them with stuff. Yeah. I think for me, it was just, I, I could never, I guess the first few times doing them, I was like, why is this only a tech thing? Was like my thinking, <laughs> like it feels, we could have totally done that when I was agency side, you know, or it just, it's such a, it's just, it's it's something that I've taken and I use, for example, down the line, I was using it with the person I was line managing where our one-to-ones became, okay, what went well? What didn't go so well? And what's the actions for? Like that, all my thinking became centered around these three questions. Yeah. And it's almost like you can do that in any project you work with or like, I do that right now with my clients, for example, where we kind of have like reflection on the last quarter and things like that. So yeah, that that that's probably the main thing. And then I guess the other thing is just purely from with the de like developers, it's a lot of it was about like I kind of learned a lot about the you know the importance of being like super detailed in tickets or not changing of priority priorities like during a, a sprint can be very chaotic <laughs> and confusing for them. 
where it was like, whoa, we started the sprint saying we'll do this. And then all of a sudden, I don't know which stakeholder wanted this. So we had to drop everything. And so it's like kind of a shock to the system for them. Um, So, yeah, it got me. It made me, again, appreciate and understand why when, when I was. When I when I was in marketing team, I didn't really understand what sprint we were in and so on. So at any time, I was like, "Can we just sit down and have a meeting about?" That? But then that meeting could be so confusing because it has nothing to do with the work that they're focusing on the sprint. So yeah, it it did give me a lot of like appreciation and realization behind like behind the scenes of what actually happens and what they're consumed with and so on. Yeah, that consistency thing is something I'm as a product manager when I was at a deep crawling now clients. Like consistency is super, super critical to be more, not only be more efficient, but actually get the devs to quickly do things. And you, you can't, yeah, you can't disrupt them during yeah. the sprint. Otherwise, it kind of indicate well, it kind of indicates the planning didn't wasn't right, right? So you just need to, you always need to be planning. I always like you're always cut this constant state of future state and current state. So you have to constantly be thinking about the future, mm-hmm. which is you planning and feeding the sprint machine, as I call it. And then current state is you, what you just talked about there, building tickets, working with them in, in sprints, making sure that you are doing the thing that is eventually going to get you to your future state. But yeah, it's um, it, it's something that yeah, I I when I when we did retrospectives similar to you, so so eye opening. Uh, one yeah. thing I I didn't realize as well is that um, like back end and front end like would argue about because the, the back end would run away and just do loads of work yes and the front end the front end dev team would be like yeah we, we can't work that fast like you have to mm-hmm. slow down otherwise what you build is completely not useless but it has to be reworked yeah. and redone which is the waste of time yeah and there was some like i even with like ux design is a very good example where it's like whoa you know you've just changed you i haven't been consulted in this and this has co- and no 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 this is not best practice from a ux like we need to kind of look so it's it's interesting how like even within a team it doesn't even if everyone's in one team people might end up kind of doing their own thing and so you really need those retro sessions because off the back of this a lot of times it's like okay let's put a ways of working session next week and let's actually iron this out and make sure this doesn't happen again in the future and so on so yeah, there's there's like a lot that can come out of it that can be very helpful to ensure these issues don't don't arise again. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I like the the actions as well. So for mm-hmm. anyone who's ever done retrospective, if you're listening with retrospectives, you don't list like ten actions. It's like no, you list like two or three or four actions that are actually actioned, and then you go away and come back maybe the next sprint or the next month to do another retrospective and see see if it worked. Right, it's not. You write some things down and never do them. Like the purpose of the retrospective yeah. is that you action them and improve. And you on review things. it again in the next yeah. retro. And you don't dwell. You don't dwell on what didn't go well because it's like that's yeah. not really the purpose or the point. The purpose is okay. Something didn't go well. Okay, let's put an action off the back of it to make sure. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes like the focus, like what what the actions are. Yeah, I actually did a retrospective, um, not this year, but and like end of last year, and the devs were like. Like we just need a little bit more planning in terms of like mm-hmm. tell like tell us talk about that future state and current state. You just we just need to know more about consistency and what's coming up because we really like how how we work together, but we like we just need a little bit more understanding of what the vision is and what's going on. I like, mm-hmm. work with these devs who are really like we need to know what's like the vision of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I'm like, okay, cool, that's great. Um, but yeah, it it it's eye opening. Okay, so you've worked in. Zoopla in a marketing team 
you worked in product team at Papier. Can you tell me what you think the biggest differences are from working in those two? We kind of touched on them, but could you just tell me from your point of view, what you think like the top kind of top three, top two, like biggest differences in the ways of working that you've seen? I think working in product and tech is much more everyone kinds of get gets on with their thing. Like it's a lot of more like focused work where you a lot of the times it would just be like a very quick stand up in the morning and that's it. And then you're left to do your own thing for the rest of the day or for the rest of the week until we kind of have another check in or so on. Uh, stand ups, I guess, is something we, we we didn't touch on right now. But yeah, it was like very, very quick every morning. Oh, what's what's everyone going to work on? Are there any blockers? La la la. Whereas in marketing, it felt, you know, it's it's quite different because there's a lot more check-ins, but I think a part of it is because there's so many more teams that are usually sat in marketing. And so what ends up happening is you have a lot more like inter, you know, department co- collaboration on tons of projects, as opposed to tech where, you know, it, whether you're a part of a specific squad or you're all one squad, there is there's much less, you know, need to kind of update each other on things and so on. Um, so yeah much less meetings and and more focused work i'd say is more on the the product side of things um and uh, yeah it, it dependent on the team you're working on i think with marketing there is a lot of need for um backing up your your data like there was a lot more of that where it was like okay recommendations and everything you you need to make sure you have like summary of why this needs to be done but again it's because you are sharing that with external teams but if you're sat in tech and you have like specific like tech requirements, you don't really need to do a lot of that. You're the expert in this field. And so you're kind of like directly putting it into kits and so on. So there was less less of that backing up of recommendations and slide deck summaries and so on need, needed as well. Um, I think you learn a lot from, you know, both of them. And I feel really, really privileged that I got the opportunity to actually work in two very different teams because you you pick up and you, and you learn tons from being part of it. But I... Um, I think if a website requires a lot of technical SEO heavy lifting, then it should be no question about it. Like that team should live in tech and product. I think if a website is fairly clean and needs more of like a content and a brand and a PR focus, then it makes sense for that team to be living in marketing. Um, and I feel like, you know, more more brands and in-house, they really need to start uh, kind of even almost experimenting and trying that out. There's no like SEO, we are so cross-functional and we're able to kind of easily adapt and work in different teams. There's no reason at all to trial this uh, sitting here for six months and then sitting there for six months and then seeing what what works best. But it's, you know, it's unfortunate. I feel people are, they tend to be very scared about maybe potentially like doing something that's a little bit different from from the norm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I do, I'm, I'm curious sometimes because sometimes like, it's just if you have a huge brand and your legacy SEO team either sits independently or sits in marketing. Yeah. I do wonder if there's a hybrid approach of just mm-hmm. the tech the tech SEO person sits in the tech team, yes. still like talk to the SEO team, but like reports to maybe the CTO or yes. I know. But then, but then, then send some other teams have like a central web team mm-hmm. where it's like marketing and content and SEO and devs look after the the website. And all of the teams feed into that central team. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I agree with you. It's like a it's like a test it out, see what works approach. But completely agree with you. If your website needs a ton of technical SEO work, 
just makes it just makes perfect sense to put the tech yeah. SEO or SEO in in the tech and in product team because yeah. you will just get more done. Yes, um, you just will. Um, okay, I have a few more questions because I'm conscious mm -hmm. of time because the algorithm is is spinning. Um, you said that te technical problems are people problems. Um, can you just explain what you mean by that? Because you've mm -hmm. said it a few times, and I just yeah. I'm just curious what you mean by that. I think I first said that when I was agency side and, you know, back then I was working with, uh, you know, one, one, like a big job aggregator website. It was like one of my most challenging clients I've ever worked on because it was very new for me. Um, and over time, I just came to the realization that back then I was having the problem of far too many recommendations, none of them getting implemented, none of them getting done. Um, and then a lot of it was just down to that, you know, I wasn't getting that buy-in right? Like there wasn't the buy-in of this is important. This is a priority. This is what we, we need to be focusing on and doing right now. Um, and off the back of it, I guess that was my way back then, technical people, like technical problems are people problems. That was my way of kind of saying like, oh, I didn't, I didn't have stakeholder buy-in for what I was trying to, 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 to get done. Um, and yeah, like, how do you, and then, you know, down the line, like a lot of us talk about this nowadays, like, how do you get that buy-in and how do you make sure you have resource in place and budget and sign off and so on? Yeah, no, yeah. I, the re I'm just curious because that mirrors, like, there's some like famous quote in engineering, I, mean, I can't remember the name, of, the name of the person who said it, but they basically said the same thing. It's like, you're, you're, and, and I've, and working in product and now working with devs as a consultant, like a lot of problems aren't technical in nature. It's just that people aren't mm -hmm. talking to each other. It's that decisions aren't being made as a team collaboratively. People aren't, you know, people, people, you know, it's just this mm -hmm. constant, like, like there's, there's Conway's law. I don't know if you read that new, the news that I did, but Conway's law is your website will just mirror your communi communication structure of your, of your, of your company, yeah. of your team. So, you know, it's just, it's just really interesting to me that we all talk about getting you know, SEO implemented, but a lot of that requires you to not have tech SEO skills, but actually have mm -hmm. the ability to communicate, collaborate, own. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I was just curious because. Mm -hmm. I think something I say a lot as well is how, you know, like it's, it's so interesting with a lot of these websites, it's like figuring out what the SEO issue is. Like that's the easy part. <laughs> you know, that's something you like with enough knowledge and experience, like over time and seeing patterns on different sites, like, a lot yeah. of it is always going to be one of the, you know, the typical type of, but so that that's kind of like the easy part done. But then the, the hard part is, well, how do we sit down and actually, you know, get, get it done, right? Like that, that, that's the very difficult part. And that's all about, you know, getting that buy-in and speaking to a lot of different stakeholders and teams and making sure you have dedicated resource to focus on that and so on. Like that's the very, very difficult part. And when I was, I mean, I, I think I've used, I've shared that statistics publicly before. I think when I was... By the time I wrapped up agency side, I don't know, maybe 80% of my recommendations never got implemented, which is, <laughs> but you know, like, when I shared that out loud, like a lot of people agreed, they said, yep, same, right? Like, and that's, it's, it, it, it's just not right because, you know, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of budget and time and effort that's been sent on kind of ensuring that they've got like organic experts and organic search folks like on board. And then, you know, for the stuff to, what is the purpose of just having a bunch of recommendations that end up getting documented and that's it, right? It's not eight percent of your recommendation. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I'm, I'm the same. I'm probably the same if I, if I, if I 
did the work and, and looked at it. Like it's just, you just don't get your, you just, yeah, you just don't think about it in an agency when you, when you actually stop back and stop and think about it. You're like, yeah, yeah. actually. Um, and my time, my time in product again, like it's so interesting because you, you really only, you only have like maybe two or three initiatives. Mm-hmm. Throughout the, like throughout the entire year and like that they're big bets that you've placed and you're like testing and validating them and and with all like those big bets just take so much work so now i'm i don't know like i just don't that 80 percent like i just I now reduce that down that that i just focus on those one or two or three initiatives yes. that like you just you know you said with with papier like we're going to focus on the things that drive i know drive the needle make the difference make the difference mm-hmm. um okay i have one last question reach because i'm conscious of time mm-hmm. um and i like this question well i think it's a good question so mm-hmm. if you were to hire yourself at the papier team younger or reach mm-hmm. what are the top three things attributes skills that you'd want to teach yourself mm. to help you get things done within that product and engineering team yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think I think the first thing is um, it probably took me some time to wrap my head around uh, what we just talked about, which is like ticket writing, but not really about it's not really about writing the ticket, but about how to make something as concise and detailed as possible and just stick to, you know, not, not trying to fix several issues, but like just focus on like one issue in a per per, per ticket. And then I think the second thing is how to think more, um, as you said, you use the word future-proof. So instead of being like, oh, this is an issue and I just saw it in a crawl, let me write a ticket. But like, no, 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 let's stop for a second and let's try to see, is there a way to future-proof, is there a way to ensure this doesn't even happen again or this issue doesn't come up at all? Maybe there's something else that we can recommend that can be along the lines of automating something specifically on the website or building something in the back end or so on. So how to think more around that as opposed to, oh, a problem recommendation, problem recommendation, you know? Um, yeah, I think that would have definitely helped, helped a lot because I feel like probably the first few months I went through my usual crawls, audit, recommendation, you know, and it ended up, and that's fine. Like I pumped out quite a few tickets and a lot of them got done, but I, it probably took me some time to understand actually, no, 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 hold on a second, because some of the problems started coming again and again and again. And so, yeah, if I, if I probably knew that from the beginning, it would have saved us, like it would have made us much more efficient is what I would have said. Um, And then, yeah, I think maybe just thirdly, like I, I just, I learned a lot from being part of uh, the tech team in terms of like their ways of workings and their process and their retro session and so on. And I feel if I could go back in time, instead of focusing so much of my time at Zoopla, kind of putting all of these, um, you know, uh, case studies together and backing up of data. And maybe instead what I should have been fighting for is for the SEO team to move to the tech team. (laughs) Because... (laughs) I just accepted that we were in marketing and I left it at that. Mm. Um, but maybe actually one of the main conversations I should have been having very early on with senior stakeholders is I I have an idea and I think this is what will help everyone, which is we need to move to tech. Um, but yeah, if, if I ever go in-house again, I would probably be more brave to have a conversation like that with senior stakeholders. But 
back then I was I was still young and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Yeah, I, I I'm I agree that I would I junior me would never have never in a million years been like, <laughs> you know what? Let's just move this team into this team. Yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> But I've seen that happen mm -hmm. at Deep Crawl. I, I, my experience tells me I'm like this is abs this is like absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, similar to your experience of like, no, this works. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know it works. And like, yeah, being really adamant about it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Right. So to wrap up, thank you so much, Rij. Where can if people want to like contact you or, or talk to you about your experience in product, you know, any more questions? Where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on Carolina.com and uh, yeah, you'll find me on Twitter at Arij underscore Abali. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for, for coming, Arij. Thank you for Thanks talking for to me. me. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I could talk and ask even more questions, but I'm conscious of time. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Bye. Bye.